Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. On this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about Cluedo, travel destinations, and we have part two of our interview with George Kinder from the Kinder Institute. Uh, Welcome one and all to The Kindness Project. I'm joined by two blunts who are sitting in the dining room uh, with no knives, um, no knives? I was thinking about Cluedo, my brain went off. Oh, okay, okay, no knives. But there might be a few lead pipes around here. <laughs> <laughs> right, so have you got a lead pipe? I haven't. Um, I'm, oh, Sophie's got a lead pipe. I don't even know, I didn't even realise Sophie. Were you hiding in the toilet? <laughs> Waiting for the podcast to start? The bathroom yeah, is a Cluedo location. Inside the toilet. If, right, that's... The bathroom is a Cluedo location. That, 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 is it? Yeah. Yeah. What's your favourite Cluedo location? I'm a visual version of the bug bars. I don't play Cluedo. Right. I don't play Cluedo. You've never played Cluedo? No. Oh, Russ. I'm so disappointed. I'm no, so no, sorry. No, I haven't. <laughs> well, you've never had a game of Cluedo? I haven't. The, the only board game I can remember playing is Monopoly. Okay, you've had a game of Monopoly. Have you had a game of um, Frustration? No. You have? You work well, with me? Frustration. <laughs> <laughs> is Frustration the one where you put the tweezers in the... <laughs> I I cl- that. That's operation, not frustrate. Might be frustrating when you're playing it. Um, I'm frustration joined... is the one where you get to hit the big button in the middle. Oh, I know. I've never played yeah, that one. Uh, it's the one where you can knock other people off the board. No, I've never played that. No, one. but you've you've played operation <laughs> where you played get operation to where with the tweezers. Oh, we've got to play some board games. We you have, Russ. Russ. Have you played Cards Against Humanity, Russ? <gasps> yeah, yeah. You played that. I've, I've played that play one. That. No, you're not allowed to play that one. Are you? Have you played Snap? Snap, yeah. Uh, 21s. 21s. Yeah. 7s. 7s. No, never 7s. 14s. No. 189s. No. no, you're just picking numbers out I'm just out picking here. numbers. Have you played poker, Russ? I've never played poker. Never no played poker. Play poker. Okay, interesting. Interesting. What well, I'm thinking of another ball game that Russ might not have played. Ticket to Ride. Have you ever played no, Ticket to Ride? What was that game we played in the pub with Daddy that time? We played um, something in that a... pub at Shrapford, didn't we? Oh, you know what? You know what? Exploding where Rise is? You know where Rise is? Oh, Exploding Kittens. was think we had a game yep. of. Um, you know what guy, What bar is um, talking about, Sophie? Because we like that little bar, don't we? The gaming bar. Yeah, the gaming bar in Stratford is a amazing place. I am joined by uh, two girls on Mother's Day, but no mum on the podcast. Are we going to say hello, mum? We're no. not going to say hello. We're not going to say anything. It's two girls on Mother's Day and uh, one man who doesn't play that many ball games. It's Russell. Okay. Sophie and Charlotte Dames. How are we doing, ladies and gents? Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I want to get Russ in the game with Cluedo. <laughs> yes! Right, okay, so you two, as we, as you two have actually Dad, played... Go on. One day, can we do a live podcast while we just play board games? Yes. That sounds amazing. What board games are we going to play on this Cluedo. live podcast? We're going to find every board game in there and going to play them all. Fab. It sounds like... A lot of the YouTube videos Charlotte watches, to be honest. No, I watch 
much about D&D actual plays, but there's not the point. Yeah, Dimension 20. Um, right, so in, let's talk about Cluedo. Who's your favourite character? What's your favourite room? And what is your favourite weapon of murder? Plum. I can't believe I'm saying that to a ten-year-old. It doesn't sound appropriate. <laughs> now, that's the candlestick, obviously. See, suddenly he's an expert. I've heard people talking about <laughs> that. I'm aware of the candlestick. <laughs> plum, library and a lead pipe. Sorry, who are you kidding? It was plum in the library with a lead pipe. Who are you kidding with a plum? <laughs> uh, you? I like Mr Green. The kitchen, because of that little shortcut. Love the little shortcut. Yeah, I like shortcut. And the ropes. No, right. no, wait, wait. Can I change my person? You can change your person. Mustard, Colonel Mustard. I'm going Colonel Mustard with the plum in the library. Plum isn't Just, actually a weapon. No, you can't. I'm sure you can kill somebody with a plum. You can kill someone with a person you as well. Just them. like, pick them up. And... I wonder if you could kill somebody with mustard. Just like Rachel Martin. Yeah, you could choke. <laughs> You could give them two. You know Mr. how Green Dad, on the left, Mr. Mustard on the right. Dad, you know how you can, uh, you could drown. Sorry, we are not talking about you know, murder no, on the podcast. I, you know how you can, I know. You know how you can drown by drinking too much water. Yes. Yeah. Just feed them too much mayonnaise, and they'll drown. Death by mayonnaise isn't something I. I think. mean, I mean no, mustard. No. I'm not going to go into intricate mayonnaise murder. Intricate mayonnaise murder. This is what this podcast is. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Intricate mayonnaise murder is the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's rope and then you stick mayonnaise down the back of their shirt and then while they're wiggling because the mayonnaise feels weird they'll just sorry what this is this is like that, <laughs> that, that, that this is this is like that south korean show what's what what's the south korean show oh, like? it's a Castle. no i was thinking about you know the red light green light one what's the one squid game squid game i mean that is a squid game waiting to happen mayonnaise down the back on a tightrope um just, and then they just wiggle and fall off. Had to, uh, had to look at Squid Game. Uh, right, let's get back on track, ladies and gents. And let's do this week's question of the podcast, which is, what travel de- destination is at the very top of your bucket list? So let's start with Soph. Where do you want to go the most? I so- forgot what it was called. But when the waves come in, the end of the waves are the sea foam. I think it's like some sort of algae. It just glows. Yes, I've seen glows. that. I think that's in Th- I think that's in Thailand or Philippines yeah, or something like that. The- it looks amazing. It's it's only at night, isn't it? Yeah, because it you can't. What see colour it. is it? Blue. Blue. Oh that yes. Blue. 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 So I I I'm putting that place near the top of our bucket list. We'll go there one day, Russ. Well, Not, well, no. Does he want to go to the world's greatest city? Well, <laughs> do you remember that when he said the world's greatest city was Norwich? Let's have it right. Norwich is one of the greatest cities in the world. In yeah, what world? <laughs> this world. In an alternate universe, okay. where all the greatest cities are, will the greatest cities destroy? In the in the multiverse, where all the greatest di- uh, cities disappear, and the only city left is Norwich. <laughs> right. So so right. Let's explore this a bit further, Russ. Let, tell us why Norwich is so good. Just like it's a city, it's got a castle. It's got a castle. It's got many. Is it Takeshi's castle? <laughs> it's oh, it's down in my opinion. Many castles. I'm in the museum now. What's what's in the museum? 
Oh, medieval stuff. <laughs> medieval. <laughs> right now, we had this with Sophie the other day. She, Sophie, was telling me about the uh, the military museum because we've got an airfield near <laughs> us that used to be used in World War Two. <laughs> let's let's go through this experience with Russell for a minute and let's see whether he can tell us why Norwich Museum is the best museum in the world. Go on, Russ. I've never been in there. <laughs> <laughs> Right, and would you like to tell our listeners well, about this this uh, World War Two museum you so, went to? Um, there is a working air raid siren. Amazing, that's And then good. upstairs, I got an old chair. Right, you're not selling it now, so if you're going downhill. Next to the old chair, you've got the table. Is an old sofa. <laughs> right, and then next I've got an old chair and old sofa in this house. So I don't want. Oh, that's the door. There's somebody at the door. There's somebody <laughs> at the door. Um, right, and but then you described some of the good stuff. No, got. no, they must have mannequins. Mannequins, there's mannequins. You're selling it again. Go on. And what else? Uh, and then there's peg dolls. <laughs> and they have pegs. And then... You know what it sounds like? It sounds like the back of somebody's shed. <laughs> Just like where they've chucked all their stuff. You Do you got, know what I mean? You got, draw a little face on it, <laughs> and there's a doll. Um, and then they've got an unexploded bomb. See, I, if I was describing this, this thing, I'd start with the unexploded bomb. Yeah, yeah. so would I. And then they've got... Uh, no, I'd start where Sophie <laughs> decided the middle should be with the old sofa and the old chair, and then build up. Oh, uh, no, no. See, I think when you're describing something, you've got to pique somebody's interest. Maybe Sophie's done it in the right order, because she started with the second best thing first, then went mundane, and then went up to, like, the big, the and big finish. And then they've got a plane engine. See, that's quite impressive. And, uh, and, and they've got planes. Swap a museum, oh, go on, go on. The Tutankhamun exhibit. Are they? Oh, any any actual parts of... Yeah, parts of Tutankhamun. Because the guy that... Parts of his dead body? Yeah. The guy that went in to uh, Carter, I think he's saying. Yeah, was. yeah. Howard Carter? Yeah, yeah. Come from Swaffer. Now, that is a fact I didn't what, know. The, the King's Cradle? I don't know. Who's Cradle? <laughs> Cat's Cradle. Um, but I didn't know that, and that is quite impressive yeah. for a little niche museum. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, sounds good. I might be visiting. You sold Zwarfen Museum far better Tell than you, you sold. for five to go Sorry, are you on commission or something? Why are you no. selling? Why are you selling Swaffham Museum all of a sudden? Oh, you said a fiver and I'll stand up. Only, only a fiver. Charlotte, you going to go? You can get into loads of London museums for free. What'd you say to that? And you don't have to go through an half hours down the road to do it. Fair okay. enough. He's backpedaling now on Swaffham Museum. He's a big fan of all of a sudden. So, ladies and gentlemen, what we'd like to know is... Uh, sorry, did we get to... So, we got uh, Sophie's favourite travel destination. What, apart from Norwich, Russ, where would you love to go? Home. <laughs> well, that's only a travel destination, is it? I suppose you've got to travel there because you're staying with us for a little while. Apart from Norwich and the home, let's get a bit more adventurous now. I'd love to visit the Amazon. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, uh, I've seen the trips where you can stay in a, like a temping and look at all the bugs. Yeah, amazing. That's my sort of thing. There's, ah. a, there's, a, there's a thing you can do where you can kayak down yeah. the Amazon River. And I've that, to it. me, looks brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I, 
I'm hoping this year, <coughs> probably going to do it this year, I'm going to kayak down the Thames. They do, a... they do the same one that they do on the Amazon in the glades. Where you can, With the Everglades? Yeah, where you can... Is that Canada? Kayak. No, that's in Florida. Okay. Where oh, yeah, of course it is, of course it is. Where you can quiet down and see all the caimans and all them. Amazing, that sounds yeah, really good. Sounds and you can do that. You can do that in the locks in Scotland, and there's loads of places yeah. you can do it. So what I'm going to do is start with the Thames and then work out, and then yeah. see and see where we go. Charlotte, what's your on your top of your travel destination list? Europe. Well, we we are going for the majority of July. Yes, yeah, so it's on the top of my bucket list. Because we're going. Because we're going. Apart from the yeah. 15 countries we're going to in Europe in July. What else is on your bucket list? We could go back to Japan, that'd be nice. Japan, you could. Japan, Japan, you want to go to Japan now, do you? Okay, fair enough. So, listeners, we'd love to know, we would absolutely adore to know what on the very top of your travel destination bucket list. We've had a weird couple of years where um, our, all of our travel plans have been sidelined. We are, we do seem to, at least in the UK where we record from, seems to be getting a little bit of normality back in our lives in terms of travel. I uh, hope you are too. But let us know what your what's on top of your travel travel destination bucket list and you can get in touch with us in the following ways so Russ oh damn Charlotte okay. <laughs> Russ Russ you know it so on Twitter we're at uh, at Holofinders on Facebook we're at at Holofinders what was on the Kindness Project podcast on, on, on YouTube we're on the Kindness Project podcast on Google, you can just search the Kindness Project or Kindness Project podcast on the top of both lists. Friends Reunited? No, no Friends Reunited. Okay. We do have an Instagram. Instagram? We, we do have an Instagram. That's at Kindness Bar. Yeah. Um, that, dog barking, is because... Um, Cassie's Mother's Day present has arrived, and we've never had a live unboxing of a Mother's Day present on the podcast, have we? Should we do that, Cassie? Should we do? The, should we do a live unboxing <laughs> of the Mother's Day present on the podcast? No, you're gonna you're gonna keep it to yourself. That's fine. All right. Well, let us know. Yeah, get. <laughs> Why would it be disappointing? I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, particularly the message, the real, real personal message that Charlotte picked for the for the inside and and Sophie. So uh, on that note, on that note, on that note, on that note, let's move on to the next part of the show, which is and the first. Uh, um, article we're going to share on kindness news this week is restaurant closed for day of kindness after staff abused by rude customers indignant after indignity allegedly played the beleaguered staff of the farm to table restaurant for weeks finally a customer's fiery rant over a breakfast takeout order last thursday thursday became the final straw the owners of at cape Cod in Brewster, Massachusetts, decided to abruptly shutter their homey roadside establishment for the next several hours so staff could enjoy a day of kindness. An astronomical influx of customers had been screaming at employees, 
dangling legal threats and driving members to tears, the owners wrote on Facebook. Apps joins a slew of restaurants across the country that have reported more frequent mistreatment in recent weeks. I wonder why that is. Oh, as customers clamour to resume their pre-pandemic lives, some have lashed out at an industry suffering from a shortage of workers, more costly ingredients and supply chain glitches, none of which are the people who are serving you's fault, though. Scrambling to stay afloat, overworked staff members often find themselves on the other side of customers' irritations. Abusive treatment at Corona... Brandy felt Castellano told the New York Times has become its it become its own epidemic since Massachusetts restaurants fully opened in late May, in the late May twenty twenty one. A lot of customers now, as we are all, are so eager to get back to the way that life was before the black pandemic. We're just supremely disappointed that things aren't the way they used to be. Every day, Mr. Cardoso says he hears from servers berated by customers about service delays due to restaurant skeleton crews. Staff members said they feel beaten down and disrespected as the food industry reevaluates its long-term man- mantra that the customer is always right. Um, there's, a, there's a lot in here, but the interesting thing for me is I think you can tell a lot from somebody by the way they treat people in restaurants. I hate the fact when, you know, I really, really, you know, I don't want to judge people because everybody's got their own issues, but um, but the challenge you've got is if you can't respect um, the people who serve you, I think that's an issue for me. It tells you, me something about your personality. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Mm, yeah. Especially when you're shouting at them for things that are so plainly not their fault, and it's like, yeah, why would you? Why would you even bother? Yeah, like disrespecting a human being for something that they couldn't control. Mm. You know what? That's different to giving feedback, right? You know, yeah. you can give feedback, and you can let you know every business really should thrive on understanding what their clients actually feel yeah. about the business, because then they can improve it. <laughs> But that can be done in a really straightforward but but nice way, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so yeah, there's no um, there's no excuse for poor behaviour really. Um, fed up, uh, the Castellanos who run at the restaurant recently posted the sign outside their restaurant, making their expectations clear. If you cannot be kind, you cannot dine. The new mantra joins apps tone setting motto. Of come as strangers and leave as friends posted on the on the establishment's website. As a small business owner, I refuse to let my staff be treated less than human, and will continue to stand up for everyone in the service industry. Uh, Regina Castellano, who is also the restaurant chef, sent the stamp to the Washington Post. Um, at at then decided to pull service uh, and and support their employees and it was greeted with an outpouring of support from community members who asked to donate to employees sent encouraging notes and praise the owners for protecting their staff one guest bought the employees gift cards for ice cream castellano said and somebody dropped off a bouquet of lavender hydrangeas it's a sad state of affairs when people are so emboldened to be rude and hurtful one person wrote to the app staff on facebook i hope you are blessed with many kind customers in the days months and years to come so you know i think give people an opportunity to be kind and they will um but i think yeah we i think the weird thing is 
and the interesting thing kindness can kindness can also be not accepting unkindness is yeah. you know if you're if you're if you've got duty and obligation to protect your employees you you also need to say well actually we don't accept poor behavior yeah, what do I you agree, think i agree with that yeah yeah okay cool good stuff <laughs> What we're going to do is move straight on to the interview for this episode. Now, George Kinder, I know you really enjoyed that um, interview. I did. did you ask? I did. Tell I me why. Very insightful. So I done the three questions he laid. Which out. which George is going to be talking yeah, about in this? Which you'll tell us about in the first part. And how did you find the experience? I, I found it quite interesting. Good, good. So, and useful, quite insightful? Well, it got me thinking about things that I don't usually think about. Yeah, which so. is great. And I, I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Let's listen to George. Well, why do you think we do that as a society? Is it just because we assume we've got to be in a box? Well, I, I think society's complex in, in a lot of ways, and, and it's certainly one. And, and, you know, we've got all the models of psychology that we know of that, uh, that come down to us. Um, I, I think there's a lot of different things. I, uh, uh, I, I think that, that freedom comes in. in I, the, my next book, after these books of poetry and photography, I've already got a, I've already got a first draft uh recording Amazing. and it is uh, a book on what i call the three domains of freedom okay and those domains are each moment is yours your and that's mindfulness your life is yours that's life planning and um civilization is yours and that's something we're really troubled by right now, obviously, uh, wondering how that's happening. But in each of those areas, we hold ourselves back. So most of us don't even realize that there's a practice to master moments so that every moment is ours and we're not troubling ourselves and falling into reactive patterns. Most of us don't know that we can live our life plan as we want to. Um, and that's the reason that life planning exists. And most of us fall into a very codependent relationship with civilization. You know, why are our leaders leading us this way? Why are corporations doing this? Why is the government doing this? But it's all ours. Yeah. Um, and uh, so anyway, that, that's, I, I think it's complex, but I think it's time for us to take all those things on. <laughs> and how is it that you're managing to find the time to write all of these books because I don't know I don't know about you but when I start writing a book I often go off the trail and start writing a completely different one and I never <laughs> never manage to finish one before I start another so how is it you're managing to keep on track and keep writing these books well I'm I'm uh I'm passionate I'm dedicated and uh and I've cut out I mean you know you were talking about cutting what do we need to do I I've cut out a lot of habits yeah. that would normally distract me so i i rarely uh watch television i when i'm i, I need to surf the web some to be able to understand what's going on in the world yeah. the research and yeah, yeah. Oh, research exactly. is the best bit. but yeah. but i but i narrow i narrow that i don't get obsessive about it i narrow it and uh and so that that's narrowed and um and and the first six hours of my day i dedicate to what i think is most important and that's my writing yeah. and nature 
and living mindfully. So I'm out, out there in nature. I'm, you know, I've got this, this world behind me, the world in front of me. I, I live in nature and I live uh, and I immediately go from it to, to writing. So writing is my passion. It's my dedication. It's my meditation. Yeah. But that's a really good habit. Do what you love first in the day. First. First, whilst yeah, you've yeah. got the energy and, yeah. and, and move forward from there. I suppose it's an interesting one because this is a struggle that we both go through, isn't it? Because I, because we've got four and a half years worth of really amazing people we've interviewed on the Kindness Project. I'm currently writing the Kindness Project book. Great. Um, and I've got, I don't know, I've got about 40,000 words. The bit that I'm struggling with is the editing process. So I've just employed an editor to, to help me with that. So, so hopefully that'll move forward. But yeah. I didn't know you'd employed an editor. Yeah, I've got me. I've got a meeting next week about that. So yeah, so yeah. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know I'm, I'm already in trouble because uh, I, I don't give you enough notice for interviews, don't I? Okay, great stuff. So that we're here actually. We we'll move on to the subject of the interview now. We're we're um, we're here to talk about the golden civilization. Now, what I wanted to start is with a really super broad question: What does a golden civilization mean to you? Well, I, I want to say, um, and I, I want to back up to the prior question just for a moment. When you were asking, how can you do it? Uh, how can you actually write so many things? Get life planned. If it's in your passion to write those books, you'll be much more on fire to do it and much clearer about the boundaries. So getting a life plan has been enormous for me and following my life plan, constantly reminding myself of it is very important. Back to the golden civilization. I want to say that what is important more, and I will answer for myself, but more than for me is what is a golden civilization for you? And what is a golden civilization for everyone we meet? And one of the things I did before COVID hit was I was on a world, world tour and I went all over the world and I went to Mumbai, I went to very poor areas, I went to, I, I went across Europe, I went to, I spent a lot of time in, in, um, in England, um, all across America, uh, asking people this question, what is golden civilization to you? Get it, gathering groups together and putting up on a wall what their image of a golden civilization was. And what was amazing to me was whether I was in blue country or red country, and I realize that's different in your country from our country, those colors mean different things, but whichever country I was in, whichever part of the country I was in, they came up with the same thing. Interesting. What they saw, what they saw in a golden civilization was more kindness, more vitality, more compassion, more, uh, uh, more fairness, uh, less false news and propaganda, more honoring uh, science, uh, more laughter. Everybody saw the same thing, less um, uh, uh, bigotry, um, uh, all, uh, less inequality. So all of these things were more democracy everywhere I went in the world. Everybody wanted more democracy. Yeah. So, so th these are the things that a golden civilization stands for and it, for all of us. And my argument has been, it's time to do it with the planet getting smaller and smaller. I mean, here we feel, you know, crunched by war. We were crunched before this by the uh, oppositional uh, nature of our politics or by the planet concerns. Um, 
it, it, the planet's getting smaller and smaller and we're getting closer and closer. Look at us, we're talking from all the way across, you know, the Atlantic Ocean. We do this all the time now. It's so small, it's time to solve the world's problems and come together and make a great civilization. And we can do it, gather together as a people. So I'm 100% with you on that. Um, the The bit that's interesting for me is, as you say, regardless of political persuasion or beliefs or principles, actually the underlying elements of what we're all looking for in our lives are pretty similar, right? Very similar. Um, all pretty similar. How do we start then to remove some of those barriers that have gotten in the way? Yes, there's, there's a, a lot of different things. There are things we can do individually. If I look culturally, I mean, the most interesting thing right now is looking at what um, the Russian people think is happening in Ukraine, yeah. what the Ukrainian people know is happening in Ukraine, what China thinks is happening in, in uh, Russia and Ukraine, and what's ha- what we think in the uh, developed uh, liberal democracy world. And it's really what, what we think comes from the news we get. So if if we have a media that, in fact, is really a free press and is really investigating and is not driven by oligarchy or autocracy or whatever, we we will discover what it is that we want to have happen. In America, this is the same in the UK. Your press has gotten polarized like this and our press has gotten polarized like this so it no longer is looking no the press no longer looks and tries to create something that's actually truthful they more give one slant and one point of view so we need we that that's one thing we need from a cultural standpoint but i would say from each of us i mean we obviously we can't solve the world's problems without democracy which is one of good news elements, if there can be any yikes in this Ukrainian thing, is that we're, it's clarifying that we don't want autocracy. We want democracy, and the people of the world really want democracy. So, so standing for that, but what can we do? There's different things. Is that what you're asking? What can we do? Because it's, well, it's be, before we be, before we yeah. come on to that, I suppose there's yeah. a couple of elements that that, that really interesting for me. There, I was talking to my wife Gazi about it, actually uh, a bit earlier on. Ukraine's got a really interesting background in terms of fighting for democracy, and there's a really interesting Netflix documentary called Winter on Fire about Ukraine when um, one of their previously elected presidents who said that he wanted more democracy um, looked towards Russia um, and um, effectively the students in Ukraine followed by a lot of the a lot of people who who joined the protest were in Kiev in 2012-2013 protesting for him to go and uh, uh, somebody who would support their sort of journey to democracy to come in. Like a lot of um, sort of totalitarian sort of strongman leaders, his approach was, we'll get the right police in there and crack down. And interestingly, they, the, um, the uh, people of Ukraine grew in terms of the protests so that you know the main square there was hundreds of thousands of people at one time i'd recommend that um certainly our listeners 
watch Winter on Fire because it's really yeah. interesting in in what people will do actually to protest totalitarian and 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 and, and those sort of regimes. I think it's yeah, it, it's really interesting. But, but as far, I suppose the other point I was going to make was one that you mentioned about the news because the, I suppose part of the challenge we've got is some of the news we get now is online, isn't it? You know, and 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 that's sort of governed by our own uh, particular perspective. Part of the reason we do the podcast is so that we can put some positive news out there. How would, and we'll come on to what people individually can do um, to, to sort of manifest a golden civilization in a minute. But what do we do to make sure that we're getting fair, balanced, nuanced um, information without getting overburdened with the... And, and, and developing a pessimistic view of the world? I, I think that we, um, uh, in America, we had something called the Fairness Doctrine in the 80s, where we insisted that news media be balanced. Uh, so even though they might lean left or they might lean right, they really needed to give the whole picture more. And, uh, and, and our politics was much more stable and much more conversation going on. Uh, so I think that we need to get, I think we do need to have some regulation in regard to that. But I think the other thing is in America, and I'm sure this is true in, in uh, the UK as well, we have, there are three people who own as much, who have as much net worth as half of the American yeah. population, 170,000 people, three people. Um, so we have gotten way out of kilter. And when you have that much wealth uh, uh, in, in just a few hands, it's very easy to manipulate the news in a variety yeah. of different ways. So we need to bring inequality down dramatically, and we need to more uh, uh, to regulate that, that there is you know, science, that there's investigative reporting, that, you know, what is great journalism? And we know what it is. They teach it in schools. Um, we know what it is and how, how to deliver it. So we need to uh, implement more, uh, some reg regulatory uh, 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 schemes there as well, Chris. Um, and, and, uh, and then we need to model that to the world is the other thing, because China and Russia have just gotten more and more powerful with their autocracy, much as you might talk about the power of, of uh, the people in the Ukraine, Ukrainian uh, uh, video. At the same time, Russia and China have gotten more and more powerful. So we need to, to recognize that it, it's important for us to stand up for uh, democratic values and to speak out for them, all of us. Um, I think you make yeah. a really fair point as well, because I think a lot of the conversations that happen, even though they might provide both sides of the coin, are about conflict as opposed to a starting point that should be. Yeah. I, in my opinion, what, what, why are we so similar? You know, as you yeah. say, you know, yeah. regardless of political persuasion, right. there's plenty of people who believe the same things and want the same things. Yeah. Think, Why are we not looking at that first and going, there might be some nuanced differences we need to focus on? I think, I think unfortunately, the reason the news is so skewed towards the violence and the, is because we are more likely to pick up and buy negative news stories. Yeah, and sure. that, sort of, that sort of influences what the newspapers are going to put on the front covers and what they're going to talk about yeah. and what they're going to publish and so unfortunately we're stuck in this sort of cycle where they're only putting the negative foot forward um and it leads to things like um i'm going to say the word correctly first time 
catastrophization. So um, I've been struggling with that. Rather you than me. I've been struggling with that word since I was 15 years old. I've got it right. Um, so basically, we the more negative news we read, the more likely we are to assume a negative outcome is going to be the end outcome. But unfortunately, it is what sells and what we are yeah. subconsciously yeah. But it's not that, I mean, that, it's interesting. It's, a, it's not the reality, is it? Because most of us... No. Millions of us on the planet live in perfect harmony, trying to make the best of our lives. Right. Um, right. But we we don't we don't see that. So talk to me a little bit about how we can get closer to that golden civilization, George. What yeah. can we do? So um, individually, I think there are a number of things we can do. One of them speaks directly to what you're uh, talking about. Uh, and you can find this on my website. Um, but I, one of the things I did when I was traveling the world uh, talking about a golden civilization was I came up with a format of having conversations about how to change the world. And we started with, what's your vision? of a golden civilization. And we got this incredible vision. And then we go, okay, so what are the barriers to that? Then we look at the barriers, but first we get inspired by the vision. And, uh, and how we look at the barriers is we go, what could possibly get in the way if we all believe in a world of kindness and generosity, what could possibly get in the way? And they list the things. And then we go, okay, well, let's get to work. What can we do? What can we do to change this? And we built these communities of people who were constantly coming back and looking at what can we do uh, to make the change? Because we know that everybody wants this golden civilization. So the thing to do is to build that movement. It sounds like you're intrigued with doing that in your own way. And I think that's a very valuable thing. So one of the things is to promote golden civilization conversations and then action coming out of it because just the conversation isn't enough we need to be active otherwise we get into yeah but they're so powerful but they do this which is just codependency is all it is there's no reason in a democratic society second thing is uh, you mentioned you you believe that uh uh, people should come first in finance and there's this obviously the esg movement that i know you're very very well aware of i've been promoting a fiduciary statement that is um I think we ought to put into law that all organizations are required in order to get their corporate status or their nonprofit, non-governmental status, whatever it is, are required to put people first, democracy first, democracy first, and the planet first, required to, ahead of their own self-interest, so that we know that we can trust them when we begin to work with them. So that's a second thing. But I think the the three other things are more personal. One is live your life plan. Go get life planned, get inspired and live the life that you feel is the life you want to deliver into the world. Um, Another thing is to, uh, and maybe it's just one more thing, and that is the practice of mindfulness is a very powerful practice to begin to master our ability to be here in a spirit of generosity and kindness. So I think those would be the things that I, uh, there might be one more, but that's that's what I'm thinking of right now. Um, so that, that's so good. Yeah, so what part does mindfulness play in your life, would you say? So how does it affect you in your life daily? So it sounds like just, just sounds like you've, it's been a daily practice for you for some time, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Over 50 how years. How long have you been how long have you been practicing mindfulness? Over 50 years. 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm 74 I'm, years I'm, old right now, and I, I'm turning 74 in a month. And I'm uh, and I've been practicing mindfulness. You said let's I... call it 73 and change. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's, let's not add the year if we don't need to. <laughs> but I've been practicing mindfulness for 50 um, years. Um, and, um, and and talk, yeah. talk to us a bit. Talk, Talk, talk to us a bit about the sort of the the practice. Is it a morning thing? What what is it? How does it manifest itself practically? I um, I practiced uh, several hours a day. Actually, I'm one of these fierce. You know, some people are joggers, and you know, uh, you know, running the marathon and all that. My marathon is what I what I want to do more than anything is to be uh, the master of the present moment. I want a mastery. Of the present moment, and I mean, consider this question for a moment. Um, and and my answer to your question about what what is it for your life? It's everything in my life. It means everything. It's huge. Um, but consider this this question: uh, Have you ever experienced a moment of freedom in the past? You know, and you're right. You say, yeah, of course. I you know whether it's walking the beach or celebrating with my family. Um, have you ever experienced a moment of freedom in the past? And it's a trick question. I ask a, a large audience and I get everybody to raise their hand and say yes. And then I tell them that the truth is that they've never, that they answered it all wrong, every one of them. Because we've never experienced a moment of freedom in the past. We've only experienced it in the present moment. So that was part two of the George Kinder interview. Raz, have we got a part three or are we... Uh, we have got we've got part three. three, so more on George next week. I hope you enjoy. And that brings us to the... Oh, Charlotte's getting excited it's because it is her bit. Go for it, Charlotte. Tis the end of another podcast. The end is never truly the end because the end is always the beginning of something entirely new. Which is last week's question of the podcast... This week. No, 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 no. <laughs> you meant to sing it. Oh. <laughs> Stop, try again. Last week's question of the podcast. This week. <laughs> <laughs> that was so amazing. I spilled my coffee all over me. That was so amazing. That was so brilliant. Can, you, can somebody get me a tea <laughs> I wasn't even, the thing is, I wasn't expecting it to be that good. This, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, oh God, that was so funny. Oh, That would have been funny, even if I wouldn't have spilled my coffee. But the fact that you're singing made me spill my coffee is brilliant. I'm so sorry, listeners. This is like, like sort of, I don't know whether this makes a good podcast listening or not, but I, I, I hope you appreciate Russell singing. Um, the, I was about to mind you, you don't have to sing, mate. You don't have to sing. He was up for it. He was. He was giving it to this week. All right, let's go on. I don't think I can do this. Okay. I got it. I got it. Okay. So last week's question of the podcast it was: If you could only pick one thing you are most grateful for, what would it be? 
Um, oh, that's the wrong thing. Oh, here we go. Al McCann said knowledge. Sharon Hirsch said my children. Steve Dan said family. Mike Christie has sent a picture. A lovely picture of his amazing daughter. Thanks for sending that in, Mike. Uh, Eve Keaton said my daughter. I can't do. Stacey Keaton said family. Uh, uh, don't know how to pronounce that. Dave Forsdyke. Roberta White said my daughters and grandchildren. Glenn D. May said health. Martha Halloran said health. Sue O'Halloran said family. Kevin Hull said good health. Gillian Bird. Gillian. Gillian Bird. Why are you. What? Sorry, say Jill again. Gillian. Gillian Bird. It's Gillian. Gillian. Said uh, breathing, important. (laughs) Toby Action said Action. (laughs) Action. Um, Tam K9. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you making? Well, these are our listeners you're insulting. Tam K9 <laughs> said my amazing kiddlywinks. Hello, kids. Said my good fortune to be born in a Western democracy. Philippa Hand said hello. And Russell Hutchinson said life. Life. Life or oh, life. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gents, thank you for joining us for another episode Dad, of the Kindness Project. Like you and and we'll see we'll yeah, see you next time. Worse. I know. Right, have a good day guys. Bye. See you. Bye.